everyone. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Shooting the Moon podcast. James Mooney here with you as always. Uh, back from my little staycation, and I'd like to bring Greg Schwartz back into the mix. Greg, how you doing? How's summer treating you? Oh, it's been great. I've been uh, missing the podcast, been missing some Yankee wins, but other than that, the summer's going well. well that's good to hear. I mean, hey, Yankees, uh, the, the boys of summer. I mean, they might not be one of the two best teams in baseball, but after yesterday, I think uh, business will be picking up for sure. They're getting a starter. Who it is, I don't know, but I think it's going to be a mid-level guy. I don't expect it to be uh, tier one ace. I'm expecting a mid-level arm, maybe a Lance Lynn from the Cardinals type of arm, someone that controllable year, upper three, low four ERA, anyone who's better than Luis Sessa, and we're good. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll get into a little bit of that later. For now, we'll get into the big news of yesterday. As many sports fans know, this is kind of the dead period. Once we kind of get out of NBA free agency, NHL free agency, all that, it's all baseball now until football gets going. But the hot stove is churning in the MLB. The Yankees making the big splash yesterday, getting Dave Dave Robertson, Todd Frazier, and... Is it Todd Cannell or what's his name? I don't even know, and he came up in our system. I'm not sure. <laughs> Kanye, Kanye, Con. Yeah. Well, either way, solid numbers though for a uh, for a seventh, eighth inning guy. But the Yankees have put themselves together quite the bullpen, and aside from one of your prospects, it's a pretty good deal for you guys and for the White Sox. I mean, I like it overall for us. Rutherford's a great prospect. They drafted him 16th overall. He was supposed to be top 10, but no one thought he would be signable. Um, but he projects as a mid-20s to almost 30 home run hitter, over 300 batting average. Great prospect, but we have so many outfielders, and there's no room in our outfields a few years down the line, which he's at least three to four years away minimum. When you have Aaron Judge in right, Clint Frazier in left, and Bryce Harper in center field. We're going to have no room in the outfield. <laughs> so it's understandable that we have to make this trade. Yeah, a little speculation there. But, yeah, you could see that the, his path to the major leagues was going to be very, very halted as a Yankee. But, I mean, look at the White Sox, what they've done. Selling off Chris Sale and the three guys they got rid of yesterday. They put together put themselves quite a farm system and a team that really I think in the next two to three years you might see back in contention I think they have 10 top 70 prospects which is the most in baseball I think the most in history in the last at least decade no one's had that many in the top 70 but the one thing I wonder with Rutherford and kind of his prospect status is in the preseason I believe he was in the 30s and Clint Frazier was in the low 40s when the midseason rankings came out and people graduate to the majors so everyone typically moves up they actually switch spots and the one thing with Rutherford is supposedly the Yankees thought they made a fair offer for Quintana which was centered around him obviously the White Sox didn't think so made a different trade with the Cubs but then took him for essentially you know two relievers and a decent corner bat with pop and while that is a good haul if they wouldn't take him for Quintana, I wonder what his value truly was around the league because most Yankee fans, and myself included, thought that if we're going to trade him, we should be getting a Sonny Gray or a top-tier starter. Maybe his value isn't what it is. So New York media booting up our prospects again, and they, maybe they're not as good as they really are. But it doesn't matter to me anymore. He's not ours. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you guys flipped him for. I I think you guys kind of made out pretty well, though. I, I you look at it now, I think everyone kind of thought that the Yankees would be in play for a Jose Quintana or a Sonny Gray, that they would be making a heavy move for them. Quintana goes to the Cubs, and Sonny Gray still on the athletics for the time being. But now you look at it, the Yankees went kind of with the Royals blueprint where it's going to be get to the fifth, get to the sixth if you're a starter, and then let the bullpen take over from there. I think you guys put together a scary, scary bullpen, starting from Cannell all the way to Chapman in the ninth. Now, I do think it's great, but I wonder after this year, the guy who might be on the move is Dylan Batances. Keep an eye out for that in the offseason. Oh, I, I think if you're reading the if you you know you read the tea leaves around the league, I think a lot of people expect Batances will be a closer on uh, MLB team next season. Uh, the Yankees don't clearly don't want to pay him, uh, but then again, could Batances's recent struggles kind of hurt his value a little bit? I think it hurts it now. I think they would have considered trading him midseason, to be honest, because he's the type of guy you trade and you get a stud starter. You could get, I don't know if you want to get a Sonny Gray for him because that's not what Oakland needs, but you could probably go to Pittsburgh and get him for Garrett Cole. Oh, you could. Absolutely. So, you know, there's things he could have been flipped for. I think his value is a little low. He has one of these streaks at every point of the year. That's the issue with Patances and why I liked Miller more last year is when Patances is on, he is the best. When he is off, he looks like the minor leaguer who was a struggling starter and was walking every other batter, which is why he wasn't moving up. So, you know, there's always these flashbacks he brings, and you live it for two weeks, and then he usually goes back to being fine and you forget all about it. Yeah. And I, I mean, you, hopefully that's the case this time. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of saw it a little bit. In that in the All Star game, you know, you'd think that's a game where a lot more casual eyes are on the game, and Tances faced five hitters in that inning. Three of them, he was locating the fastball pretty well, but those two walks were pretty abysmal. The uh, fastball was nowhere to be found, and that's kind of the Tances we've seen over the last maybe two to three weeks. When he's not feeling it, he throws only curveballs. And that's the one thing you can watch. If you're a batter, I don't know why when he's throwing curveballs, you don't sit there and take every single one. Because half of them will be in the strike zone, half won't. You're guaranteed to walk, which I guess is theoretically what hitters have been doing. Is They know that when he's not on, he just abandons the fastball. And you can just take the walk and move on. Yeah. it's It'll be very interesting to see how the this new Yankees bullpen shapes out in the next few weeks. Uh, certainly with them in the in contention for the AL East and potentially more come October and September. We'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, I do think the Yankees will be fine, by the way. The thing no one has really been talking about, I don't think it's their pitching. The injuries they've had on offense, look who they lost. In four days in a row, I believe, who was it? Holiday, Castro, Hicks, Ellsbury. I think that was when they all went on DL. And Fowler may have been included in that time, too, where – he tore his knee open, making his MLB debut in the first inning. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost all that thump in their offense so quick. Of course, there's going to be take time to, you know, heal that. Effect. And now that they're all starting to get healthy, I think the lineup's going to round out more. You're looking at Frazier, who's in our lineup, probably a seventh hitter. And the White Sox, he was back in third or fourth. I don't care what Frazier's stats are, his pros, his cons, his low average. If you have Todd Frazier in your lineup in the bottom three, 
means you have a stacked lineup. The only lineup that might be better than ours right now, top to bottom, is the Diamondbacks. Because that trade they got from Martinez, they have a stacked lineup. I'd be nervous if I was the Rockies or the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I well, I see, I kind of think the Rockies are, I, they're kind of falling by the wayside. We had kind of talked about that when we did this, uh, kind of the first month recap in May. But, yeah, I think the Diamondbacks made a serious move yesterday getting J.D. Martinez from the Tigers in that as hot as the Dodgers are, that is a team you don't you, – you got to keep your eye on because they're right there in the rearview mirror. I mean, Granke knows all about the Dodgers. He played with them. I think when he was on the Dodgers, those top two on the top of that rotation mm-hmm. was nearly unstoppable. But other than Kershaw – I mean, don't go on the Dodgers have great pitchers. Gensley Gently, is a great closer, whatever his name is. I can't even pronounce it. Yeah, Gensley, I believe it is. No, uh, Kelvin Gensley? I don't I don't even know. I just know that he went a very long time without getting a save this year because the Dodgers are that good. But the rest of their team, there's just nothing that I look at and go, that's why they're going to win. You know, they're a great, well-balanced team. But they've been a very well-balanced team and kind of cruised in the regular season for the last few years. Then once you get to the playoffs, they just haven't had that extra notch to turn it up to. So I wonder if this is just the same old story for them. But the one rumor heard with the Rockies, which is hilarious as they're falling, as you said, is supposedly the guy they want to trade for is Kevin Gaussman on the Orioles. Which I don't know if you have seen him pitch recently, but if you put him in Colorado – we will officially break the most home runs in a major league season because that ball is going to go 600 feet every single time. Yeah, that's a. I, I, I did see that one. That that's a kind of a questionable <laughs> move by them. I think that's kind of a uh, let you know we got a shot to make the playoffs. Let's just get in, see what happens. But yeah, I don't, I don't really see that being a difference making move. But speaking of potential difference makers. The other big bit of news yesterday, Houston Astros shortstop Carlos Correa out six to eight weeks with a torn ligament in his thumb, leaving a bit of a hole in that loaded Astros lineup. Greg, what do you think this means for the Astros going forward? See, I don't think it means that much right now as long as he's ready on the shorter part of that timetable. All you want Correa to do is come back healthy beginning September, get his quote-unquote spring training at bats in September because there most likely won't be a minor league rehab stint he could play. He just needs to get healthy and be ready for the playoffs. As long as he's at full speed come October, doesn't matter. The Astros have won the division by 18 games rather than 22. Right. But the big thing is he needs to be on the shorter part of that timetable. The longer it goes, the riskier it is because with no rehab, he's coming right into the thick of things where other teams are going to be looking to knock them off and they're going to be playing for the race. So, well, the Astros may not be playing for much. The teams that are playing are. So, yeah, I think you, you you want Correa and anything with your hand or your wrist, anything like that. That can be a very tricky kind of injury to come back from. I mean, we just saw Mike Trout come back and he looks fine, but then again, Mike Trout is not human. He's uh, was some kind of genetic freak. But yeah, it's something to definitely consider. Um, what kind of health you're getting him back in come September. If he if he comes back healthy, I think that Houston continues their run towards a pennant. If not, uh, they do have the firepower to back him up, but that's a huge, huge, huge guy to be missing this uh, late in the season. 
What Houston needs is a starter. First off, they need Keuchel to come back. It's been forever. I know he's been hurt with the neck injury. Hopefully yeah, they're taking it weird. slow for his sake. But they need another starter in addition to him because their rotation is in shambles. Their offense is great. I mean, the ALS is not that strong, so they're running away with it. But when you get to October, you need someone else besides Keuchel that you could depend on because we don't even know if we could depend on Keuchel right now. So I do wonder if they're going to be the team that makes a move for Sonny Gray or any other starter that might be available. But I don't know if there's many top-tier starters available, which is what they need. Right. That's what it seems like it's a very thin market for. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right now I, I believe it is the Astros that are rumored to be the front runners for Sonny, for Sonny Gray at the moment. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I really, I'm right there with you. I think the, the, if there's one hole with the Astros, it is starting pitching. The rumors up here is that they've been calling the Mets about Degrom. So I wow. don't think the Mets would sell Degrom, but if they do, they will get a ransom for him. Probably they'd want Bregman back. Yeah, maybe another star too, which. To be honest, this is what the Mets should have done all along is dealt one of the starters. Probably a different one two years ago for a player like Bregman when they had the chance. Yeah. The issue is now is the only starter left of that group is DeGrom. So I think that would be a poor trade for the Mets. But then again, they're the Mets, so they'll probably do it. <laughs> yeah, they, they could. They would probably do that in a heartbeat. I think that would be an out-of-left field for most of the major league news that would be a huge, huge power play for the Astros if they were able to pull something like that off. I did see, um, it was a couple weeks ago, they were talking on um, MLB Whip Around on Fox, um, not Dontrell Willis, but uh, the other analyst they usually have on there. He threw out that Houston should do everything in their power to get Madison Bumgarner from the, from the Giants, which I don't see it happening, but that would be something. That would be something, and that's a guy I would give up Bregman for, but... Does Bregman slide over the shortstop right now with Cray out? They could put Uriel at third base rather than first. You know, they have ways around to plug this hole right now where maybe they can't deal Bregman like they did. So they might be out of the market for a top-tier starter dealing with someone from their majors. I'm not sure of their prospects and who they have and what their value is, but I think they do need a top-tier starter to make them the runaway AL favorite. Yeah. Right now they're the AL favorite, but I wouldn't say they're a runaway favorite. Yeah, I think if anything, this Correa injury maybe keeps them from making the big splash that I think we all believe they need to make. I do have a feeling at the deadline we're having a lot of talk and a lot of trades happen early. And I kind of have a feeling there's not going to be that many large trades happening in the next week. I feel like we're going to have another one maybe this weekend, mid-level trade at the level of the Yankees one, which was a big trade, but not a superstar going in his prime. And I feel like that might be it. Yeah, it, that's the and that's the fun, the funny thing about the MLB deadline. It's one of the more exciting ones, but there, there's that year here and there where just kind of nothing really happens. So we'll uh, we got almost uh, two weeks, and hopefully uh, we'll see something happen. Uh, there are a few teams that need to make some moves. But uh, before we switch gears to our thoughts on the All Star Game and our big storylines of the second half of the year. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Uh, oh, is this the Aaron Judge segment? Uh, no, that, that we saved. I'm saving that for the end. We'll, uh, best for last, right? We'll, li we'll literally end with a bang. Um, the judge has spoken. Go on. Yes, the judge has spoken. But anyway, here at Shooting the Moon, uh, our heads aren't buried in the sand. We are 
you know, somewhat in tune with pop culture. Uh, Greg and I are going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. That just premiered on Sunday. Now, if you don't watch Game of Thrones or you're not caught up on Game of Thrones, uh, this will be a relatively short segment for us. Uh, scrub, scrub ahead about five, five and a half minutes, and uh, we'll get you back into the baseball talk. So I'll give you a second here to do your thing before we get into it. But spoilers are going to be very laden throughout the next five minutes. All right, so here we go in five, four, three, two, one. All right, Greg, Game, Game of Thrones is back, and back in a big way. You know, I joked we were going to end this show with a bang, but Game of Thrones started with a bang uh, with the Arya Stark and the Frey scene. Just great to have it back. That, that really kind of brought us right back into the world. What do you, you know, what did you think there? You know, I have a lot of greats, one bad part of it. So a lot of the greats is even that first scene, like you said, I just assumed that was a flashback. The last few seasons of Thrones started on a flashback, which was different than normal. And this one I was like, okay, it's a flashback. I knew Walter Frey was going to kill everyone. Just did not know that was Arya behind his mask. Also did not know that Arya's mask changing abilities also changes her height. That's an interesting fact that they did not tell us. So I'm glad we've realized that fact. Yeah. The one aspect of the show I did not like, and I don't know if you caught on to this, but I hope you did, is when the show first started, the credits were rolling. They mentioned that there was going to be brief nudity, and I did not see any brief nudity of the female kind. That was a little disappointing. Yeah, I have a feeling I know where that was, and I really just don't want to watch that scene again. Uh, It probably had something to do with um, Sam at Old Town. Uh, The brief nudity could have been the, uh, the autopsy. Or the giant, or the big uh, montage of him cleaning out bedpans. Yeah, that was uh, that was a delicious scene. Uh, uh, I'm gonna stick with that word, delicious. Oh, delicious! Uh, hopefully, no one was eating chocolate ice cream at the time. Uh, I I was actually eating a chocolate covered squirrel. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, sorry, Ron. I think I ate your chocolate covered squirrel. <laughs> Oh man, but uh, yeah, I think uh, so. Can we? I I think we can kind of both agree that with the that that opening scene, uh, all time lines of Game of Thrones, Arya dropping probably a top fiver with her uh, when yep. you t- when you tell people what happened, tell them that the North remembers. Yep. No, I loved it. I think, you know, I wonder how that's gonna get around. People are gonna just know that's Arya somehow. Is, is that how Sansa is gonna find out she's still alive? John, how how are they going to come back together? Because clearly they do. Yeah, I'm interested in the Stark reunion because they're all back in the North now. Yeah, yeah. You got Bran. He is at the Wall with the the Night's Watch. You have John and Sansa at Winterfell, and Arya making her way to King's Landing. Things are now. Definitely... I do wonder if she goes south or goes north. I have a feeling something is going to stop her. That makes it go north. And I wonder if it's – does she somehow run into the Hound and his group and go following them because the name's on her list? It, is someone on her list coming to go fight John since that's what Cersei wants and Arya's going to follow them because somehow I don't think she makes it down to King's Landing? Well, the way the way I'm looking at it, I don't think she – I, I don't think she'll meet up with the Hound for a long time. And that is assuming the Hound survives because it looks like the Hound and the – brothers without banners that he's rolling with they're heading deep into the teeth of the battle 
to fight the Night's King. That will should give us probably our our first real big set piece of the season, which I hope we get next week. Well, just remember the finale is only six weeks away, so it's going to be happening soon. Yeah, I think this was kind of, uh, and, and it's kind of the, the way I've seen this episode described, that this was kind of uh, Game of Thrones clearing its throat, kind of reminding everyone where everyone is, but if judging from the uh, the scenes from next week, things are going to get real exciting real fast in the world of Westeros. Yep, I am pumped. I can't wait. It's been a long time coming for Thrones to be back, and you know I think it's definitely going to set the bar even higher somehow, which is pretty damn near impossible. Yeah. All right, we got maybe a minute, minute and a half here. Uh, biggest thing you're looking forward to for next week? I'd say it's... Hmm. I kind of want to see if there's anything that happens with uh, what's the Euron Greyjoy. What is it that he brings back? I have a feeling, and I've been thinking back and forth, somehow... I think that gift is a dragon. I have a theory. Do you mind if I say my theory real quick? Yeah, go for it. You got, you, we got a little time. So my theory is there's been talks that Euron's supposed to have this dragon-controlling horn. And my theory is he brings a dragon back to Cersei. That's his gift. When Cersei does not want to play nice with everyone else, and the White Walkers and the Army of the Dead come down and they attack they are the ones who end up dying. That's how a lot of Key's Landing goes. And the Lannister backing is because they have no one to protect them because they didn't believe this was coming. That is how, and you saw it in the previews a few months ago, the White Walkers get their dead dragon. I think Euron steals a dragon, and then when they come in and kill the Lannisters, they take their dragon because they kill it, and it becomes a ice-breathing dragon rather than fire. Yeah, that would be that would be real interesting. Um, I, I kind of I, I definitely think the the Euron Greyjoy the gift that that'll be a huge game changer, uh, at least in the early stages of this season. I think that we still have bigger battles afoot that'll shape the uh, the the world that we're watching. Uh, as far as next week goes, I the it was a blink and you miss it little snippet. Uh, someone is strangling Littlefinger. And I think it's Jon Snow. I really want to see how that plays out. Uh, things are not all good up in Winterfell, especially after the big battle last season. Yeah, Littlefinger was probably wishing that was Sansa choking him, but then again, brief nudity. Brief nudity, yes. Brief nudity, hashtag content. All right, let's, uh, let's give it a second here. We'll get back into the baseball talk in just a second. Let some of the people that are scrubbing give them a little buffer. All right, here we go. Back into baseball talk now. Uh, All-Star game last week. Uh, I'm sure you were pretty happy about most of how that weekend went. Uh, Aaron Judge wins the home run derby in a in emphatic fashion. I, I really, other than Justin Bohr, I don't think anyone really was giving him much of a fight. I think when Bohr did what he did, I was like, well, you know, it's kind of destiny. El Gary knocks out Stanton. Bohr's going to knock out Judge. The two underdogs will move on versus, like, the opponent, same team, yada, yada. But 
Judge just took it to another level. The oh. power to all fields, the entire stadium was all risen for Judge, and it was just an insane spectacle. Oh, my Thank God. Thank God he is a Yankee. I'll tell you what. I was watching it with one of my friends. We were just in awe of in I believe it was the second or is either the first or the second round he opens up with uh maybe like six or seven home runs right off the jump and he was going left to right to left to right to left to right with ease with relative ease he he looked you know a lot of these guys you know Miguel Sano comes to mind looked just dog tired by the time they got into the second round and the final round but judge was just like effortless effortlessly swinging the bat and just dropping absolute bombs it was I mean the pitching coach was the one that was tiring he could he was throwing to <laughs> Gary and Judge and for that first round he had to chalk up I mean almost 40 home runs yeah if not more yeah, I, was... I think Gary had 17 so yeah he had over 40 came up over 40 homers it's a lot of pitches to throw both move on to the second round you know that was just a great performance all around. It's actually, I just want to thank Wilson Bedimit. He's the reason that Judge is a Yankee. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. They traded Bedimit for Swisher straight up, who was a great Yankee. Then when Swisher left as a free agent, we got the compensation pick, which turned to the Judge. So thank you, Wilson Bedimit. Oh, man. When when uh, ESPN inevitably does the 30 for 30 on Aaron Judge in about 20 years, uh, that'll be one hell of a tidbit to remember. I know, and I will make sure I get a wig this season from the juror's corner, and I can wear it when that 30 for 30 comes out. Oh, man. I can't. I, I'm just waiting with bated breath to see a picture, to get the Snapchat from you in, in full judge's garb, ready to swing your gavel around in the outfield. Oh, man. Why haven't done that already? Is beside, I'm beside myself. I need to go do that probably tomorrow's game. Yeah, that'd be a good start. But I mean, he, the, the whole judge, Gary, like that's just not only the future of Yankee. That could be the future of baseball. Those are three, four hitters going to be running it for a long time. And you look at all the other young guys that were in the home run derby and all star game. Cody Bellinger was there. I mean, look, Stanton, I think, is pretty much still the same age as Judge. Boar's a late blossomer, but he's 28. You know, look at all the younger guys in the All-Star game, all the shortstops that are around baseball. It, it's Baseball's going to be growing for a long time. I hope they market these guys well because there's a lot of popularity to be had here. And, you know, they could do a really great job expanding the game. Yeah. I think if if there's one takeaway that you can make from that entire All-Star, not even a weekend, but the, the two days of the All-Star experience, is that we I think we're officially in the new era of baseball. And I think baseball's I in good hands. Agree more. I think it, they're in very, very good hands. Uh, speaking of the actual All-Star game, uh, first year, this didn't count for anything. It was just an exhibition game. Home field was not on the line, finally. And it allowed Fox to get a little creative with how they presented the game. What did you think of some of the stuff they did with uh, miking up players in the outfield for interviews during the game? You had A-Rod doing his walk through the infield and even um, Ken Rosenthal doing uh, some interviews in the uh, in the on-deck circle. 
Uh, I mean, I like it. Make baseball fun. Mm-hmm. It's the All-Star game. Even when it was on the home field advantage, they still could have done these things, but have some fun with it. Oh, man. I, I think... It was weird at first, but until the George Springer and Bryce Harper interviews, I that that kind of won me over. Yep. No, I think... I think they did a great job. So hopefully they continue this thing, grow even more next year. But, you know, let's see how it could go. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, second half of the season is underway. What is the biggest storyline you are looking at as we march towards the postseason? I want to see if the teams that were unexpected and here can stay. That I'm looking at the Diamondbacks. I'm looking at the Rays, who are in second place in the AL East. Uh, the Brewers, who are doing pretty well in the NL Central, these are teams that nobody expected to be here. And in some cases, like the Brewers and Rays, no one's even talking about them. So I want to see, can they continue this in the second half? Can they actually make a run the postseason? Or are the Cubs just going to come back and win it like everyone expects? Are the Rays going to fall off and it'll just be the Yankees and Sox in the end? What's going to happen to these just unexpected potential pennant winners? Yeah. I think for me, in the NL, it's the Dodgers. You know how are they gonna? How are they gonna maintain? Can they stay stay healthy? All that. But I think you're looking at how things are kind of shaping up right now, and with the Cubs, with the way they're they've kind of fallen back. Are we gonna get a divisional round series between the Dodgers and the Cubs in a five game series? And what that would be that- great. And what is that going to mean for the rest of the major leagues? You have potentially two of the most talented teams facing off that early. That will be something very interesting to see. And then over in the NL, or AL, I should say, it's definitely one is Carlos Correa's injury and what that means for Houston and all that. But who is going to survive the AL East? I think that the team that can come out of there is very battle-tested and could be ready for a playoff run. But who is it going to be? Is it going to be the Rays? Is it going to be the Yankees? Or is it going to be Boston? Or do the Orioles or the uh, Blue Jays get hot? I'm very, very excited for that. I think it ends up being the Yankees and Sox. I think – I do think the Rays will fall off. I think they've been a good team. I don't think – anyone the AL East for the whole first half played up to their potential, the Yankees and Sox included. So I think they both kind of start to separate themselves a little bit. I don't think the Rays are going to be able to make the trades that the Yankees and Sox do. And that's the only team that I think that might still make a big trade is the Sox just because Dombrowski loves trading everybody. And I think Frazier and Robertson were there for the taking until Cashman swooped in. I think they do get a third baseman from somewhere because their third basemen are god-awful on the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally just released Sandoval because they actually looked like a panda now. So they need something, and I think when they make a trade and maybe the Yankees do try to match them and make one more, I think those two will move ahead of the pack, and I expect whoever doesn't win the division to be in the wild card game. Now, I do think if it gets to either of them are in a wild card game, I think the Red Sox are in a bad situation just because they have sale they could pitch in a one-game playoff. If I'm the Yankees and you have the one-game playoff, you're most likely at this point going with Severino. Now, my guess is Tanaka is going to round back into form as the season goes along. I don't think he stays like he has the first half. 
So maybe he's the guy, but for the Yankees' sake, they really do need to win this division. Yeah, yeah. If you can avoid, I, th- I think, and that's just any team that's not like the Dodgers or the Astros, is you do everything you can to avoid that one-game playoff so that you get your ace game one of a divisional round because it's all about when it, you win that first game, you are in a prime, prime position in a five-game series to advance. It'll be if you're the if you're the Yankees, think about this, and you're in a one-game playoff though. Win or go home, do or die. Do you do Severino two innings, air it out like he was when he was a reliever last year? Batances two innings when he's a, as a reliever and just air it out because hopefully by then, as long as he's on his hot streak, you know he'll be good. You have a Warren and a Robertson inning and a half a piece. Chapman for an inning and a half. You know that right there might be the be- Yankees' best chance to win a one-game thing. It's ballsy. It, it, it that I I don't think that Girardi would rule that out. But the only thing with Girardi is Girardi is so by the book and the binder. Yeah. It. I think he would have to not be there for that to happen. I don't think he's creative enough to think of that on his own. But I think that'd be the Yankees' best shot to win a one-game playoff. Maybe Severino three innings, but let him air it out. Just throw throw faster than Chapman when he airs it out like that. He throws the same speed. Let him just air it out. Just turn the game over to bullpen and let us run with it from the third inning on. Yeah, I, I definitely I, Girardi is about as by the book as they come. I would, you know, if it, if it was Joe, a guy like Joe Madden, I would a hundred percent be expecting that that he's just going to mix and match and really try not to blow anybody's innings or pitch counts out of the water and really kind of get creative as the. the the game goes on but yeah i think avoiding that one game playoff if for a team like the yankees or anybody else in the al east or even the central uh, i mean the indians aren't really doing a whole hell of a lot right now but avoiding that one game playoff is going to be critical yep i agree i think that that might be my storyline to watch in the al actually is who can avoid that one game playoff yeah because that one you win that one game playoff you get the Houston Astros. Quite a prize for winning a playoff game. Yeah, that's not enjoyable. No, not at all. And I think that, you know, same thing in the NL, you want to avoid that one-game playoff because you you get the Dodgers. And, I mean, it's crazy how almost under the, like, when you watch, you know, ESPN and some of the other coverage, the Dodgers almost, no one's really talking as much. Like, this is a big deal what they're doing right now. Yeah, they're thirty and four in their last thirty-four games. Like that—that that is gonna, incredible. It's the same thing I said when we get college basketball season. It is the East Coast bias. It's true. It happens. Yeah, it, it does. And I mean, think about it. That like you know, you've got Kershaw and Max Scherzer are both probably you know one and two. You know, what, however you want to look at it in the Cy Young race. But the Dodgers have Alex Wood, who hasn't lost a start yet this season. I think I think that's incredible to me. Yep. No, um, I'm interested. I think the second half's got a lot of potential, so I can't wait. We should do another one of these definitely after the trade deadline. Review, see if there's any changes we have to make to this. But I think the potential here for a great second half is high. Yeah, I think uh, this is exactly what Rob Manfred wants uh, heading into the trade deadline is a lot of things are setting up at the moment. Now, yeah, I agree. 
the final bit of our second half preview. We're going to call this segment Hit It to the Moon. One question, and there really can only be one answer. Who will win the home run race in this very power surge of a season? Is it Aaron Judge, or will you take the field? Greg, I'll let you take uh, this one. I'm going to go with Duke. Going to go with Duke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. All right. Had we recorded this podcast about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago, I'd be right there with you. I, I would say Aaron Judge. That being said, Aaron Judge, does he have a hit tonight, by the way? do You, know, um, you, you probably have the game on. Uh, well, considering the Yankees lost this afternoon, no, he did not have a hit. All right, so he is now probably 0 for 25, give or take, since the All-Star break. No, he had a few hits uh, yesterday or the oh. day before. I I think the biggest issue is it's the way Girardi's been doing the lineup. He has had no protection. I still don't understand why Sanchez is hitting in front of him in the two-hole. With the Yankees still not fully healthy, Sanchez should be behind Judd to give him protection. Yeah. Yeah, Judge needs yeah. – he, he, you can't have a team just saying, okay, we're just going to pitch around you. I mean, look what it did to Bryce Harper last year. Yeah, it's they're pitching around him, and I think, one, he's starting to chase a little bit more because of that because it's just frustrating when you don't have pitches to hit. But I I think that something needs to change the lineup, just a little bit in a, of maneuvering it around. No offense to, you know, Didi or Castro. They're not protection for a judge. Yeah, Didi's not going yard all the time. And I, I saw I saw him go yard last night. And, you know, I, lo- I love my brother, but not a big baseball fan. He goes, oh, my God, was that Judge? It's like, no, no. Yeah, you know, they, DD's like they half look kind of size. alike. DD's like half his size. Yeah, like a third. I think Judge could probably eat four of them. <laughs> For lunch. T- he'll take DD yeah. to Flavortown. Uh, I kind of feel like I'm copping out by taking the field. So I'm going to kind of put my name on – I think it's going to be Giancarlo Stanton. I think he's on fire right now. And I think that could really – I hopefully he can sustain that. But I think it's – if it's anybody, it's going to be Stanton. I mean, Stanton's power is great. And that's what everyone was comparing Judge to in the minors. And the talk was always – no, Stanton's way older. He's been doing in the pros. Well, you know what? He has been doing in the pros. He's been doing it for longer. So if there's anyone that is up there and that I understand taking the field for, he's the one. So, Yeah. Uh, now, I don't think Judge is going to top – I don't think he'll top 50 homers for the year. Let me be clear about that. Yeah, if he had come out like he did going into the break – I would have said that he had a chance to take down McGuire's rookie record, but I think that uh, Judge is definitely going to cool off compared to that first half. That was absolutely insane what he was able to do. It was, and a lot of the reason was is he was also hitting, you know, obviously what I said before, he was hitting in the six hole and the seven hole for the Yankees at that point, which, you know, the difference was, yes, he had no protection, so it was opposite of my earlier point, but... 
he also had everyone on base and there was no one to put everyone else. He had to get thrown pitches to hit. Yeah. And I do think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to finish the year hitting right around or over 300. I think when you look at the end of the year, he's going to be a runaway rookie of the year. He's still probably the MVP favorite. And I don't think you could, anyone could really argue that. Now at this point in time, he is the MVP favorite in the AL. I just, I don't think he's going to hit the home runs at the same level and magnitude that he was before. Yeah. All right. So assuming that judges second half goes the way we might expect it to probably. So we'll say no to the triple crown. Probably get that out of the way. Yeah. No triple crown. I think that's an easy one. Definitely. He's not going to hit for the average. Definitely rookie of the year. He already won that award. I think if he was hurt, he didn't play for the rest of the year. That award still is. Yeah, yeah, no Joel Embiid situations here. Um, but who's the MVP? If he doesn't win, if if Aaron Judge isn't the AL MVP, who is? Well, Trout was out for a while. Correa's hurt for a while now. If it's not Judge, something drastic has to happen. Could it be a George Springer? I don't think so. I, I think even with Correa hurt, he'll take too many votes away. Yeah, I, I could definitely see, as much as I think it should be somebody from the Astros for how good of a year they're having, it's just so many of those, like Altuve, Springer, Correa, those three guys have just been so good that you may not be able to get a consensus on who it might be. The only thing I could see, and I think if Judge stays healthy and keeps finishes the year 300 with four, mid-40 home runs, I think it's his runaway. But the only type of player who could I think take it from him at this point would be if some pitcher ends up finishing with over 20 wins and a low two ERA maybe that could sneak into the conversation but so otherwise maybe a Chris Sale then what I was hinting at without wanting to say it yeah yeah only one I could see a sale but then at the same time he has to win that division handily for the Red Sox he can't just be there with the race to the Yankees at the end. Sale has to finish with 20 wins. He has to be dynamite, which he has all the potential to do. But if his team doesn't run away with it, I don't think he steals the vote. So that's why I don't think he's going to take it because I don't trust the rest of his team around him to outproduce. Yeah. I, it's going to be a lot of fun. I definitely can't wait to see how this all shapes up and how things change when the trade deadline comes up. But for now... That is it for us. I want to thank you, Greg, for joining me. And we'll talk in two weeks after the trade deadline. You know, thank you for having me. I just want to say, everyone, the Baby Bombers are back. The Yankees are going to roll baseball for the next few years. Welcome back to the dynasty, baby. You say dynasty, I say the evil empire. All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening. What to is, this. You, so you, what you're saying is you should... <laughs> come with me and trust the process no 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 uh it's you need to come with me and trust the process but you are all about due process with the judge Ooh. verdict guilty mm, yes guilty <laughs> very very guilty all right well thank you all very much for listening to this edition of the shooting the moon podcast we will Greg and I will get back together in two weeks and we'll do a trade deadline wrap up 
in baseball uh, as far as shooting the moon goes. I am uh, hard at work getting ready for football season, and I'll have some more baseball stuff up in the next few days, so stay tuned to the website. Thank you all again for listening, and I will see you all next time on the Shooting the Moon podcast.